All right, let's walk into the studio and pull our surprise right now. Hello, Duke Kahanamoka. Good to see you, Duke. Last time I saw you in Hawaii. All there, real, real good. What are you doing here? No, no, I'm I'm doing a show in the studio tonight. As a matter of fact, I'm doing it right now. Yeah, I'm doing it right now. And you're a very important part of it. You go ahead right along. Because Duke Kahanamoku, world famous champion, Olympic swimmer, and sheriff of Honolulu, Hawaii, tonight. This is your life. Now, Leonard, you wonder where that applause... Thanks, Mr. Trump. You wonder where that applause is coming from? Just look straight out there, huh? G'day, listeners. You're tuned to Soundwaves, a podcast that explores the nexus between surfing and music and the nefarious spaces in between. Between the wave and the rave, between the heaving shack and the martial stack, between neoprene and spandex, the mosh pit and the death pit, fiberglass and vinyl the boogie and the board between Brian Eno and George Greeno. So wax up your stick, crank up the stereo and paddle out into the secret sonic surf spot that is sound waves. Tales from the shack. Shack, shack, shack. Hey, Stan. Hey, mate. Ni hao again. Ah, um, yeah, you are. PRC. PRC, living at large in the uh, quarantine. You. Yep. yep. Hotel. Um, mm-hmm. It's good. Mm. Are they treating? I like they, it. They're tr- they treating you all right? Yeah, they're treating me well. Excellent. Excellent. Help. Get me out of here. <laughs> um, no, I love it here. I love it. <clears throat> Yes, um, this is yeah. the best place no. I have ever been to in my life. <laughs> pretty mm. calm out there. Right. Pretty, pretty nice conditions, I imagine, on the on the beaches of uh, Shangalangas. Um, yeah. Well, no, here it's uh, going off. We've had ten days of um, perfection, actually. So it's been offshore literally for ten days straight, no non-stop, and nice little uh, westerly swell running the whole time um we don't get it as much here but in i know in on the east coast when you in winter when you get those kind of a week of offshores the water goes super super clear right um mm. here it's been so clear it's it's amazing but uh no it's been super blue and in fact i saw today a, r- a rarity around these parts which was a school of you know i don't know 30 plus dolphins which was um lovely you don't you don't see that too often um on the Iberian coast, but they look like they were having a good no. time. Uh, just kind of empty peaks all over the place. There's no one around. It's a, oh. It was, um, as we were driving between beaches this morning, me and uh, shout out to Johnny Chicken, straight from, uh, straight from Vienna to, um, to the beaches of Iberia. Uh, as we were driving around looking for waves, it was minus one. So there was, there was even ice on the beach. Uh, on the railings walking oh, right. out to the beach, which is uh, yeah, oh, <clears throat> pretty cool, pretty well, very cool, very cold, but yeah. uh, yeah, wow. Huey, Huey um, Grace, his lovely um presence has been very mm-hmm. kind and looks like he will be for for a while yet. So um, stoked. It's crazy. Mm. So is the front uh, you could, is is the reason there's no one around? Or is everyone just kind of surfed out or? Uh, is it I cold don't know, or is it... I don't want to tempt fate by even speculating, but um, maybe they've just. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people who don't like the cold, I guess. Um, and also, like, there's a lot of people who have to work. 
which I do, but <laughs> at at um unusual times, which yeah. is uh it's quite conducive to uh to surfing. So yeah, yeah, um you know it's all about so the good. lifestyle, man. It's all about the lifestyle. It is. Uh, it is. Uh, in fact, I just ordered a new board, which was um pretty exciting. Cool. Um, I'm going to get a kind of Torrin Martin inspired ah. pin thing with channels and yeah, kind of si- yeah. six six. Um, I can't remember exactly what, ah. the, what the what the dims are, but um, it's uh, <clears throat> I think uh, I can tell you in a second. Yeah, it, so kind of kind of like one of those Torrin things. Um, there's one that Morning of the Earth surfboards make, which is called the Fiji, and it's six six by nineteen and five eighths by two and three quarters. So it's got a lot of beef. Um, yeah, right. Kind of a beaked nose and a little bit of channelage down the back end, and obviously a twin fin. So you. Wow. Mm. Now that sounds pretty pretty nice. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, well. I'm coming to the realization I'm, that um, that it's all about the it's all about the flow. <laughs> more and more, the flow the is swoop, the, the swoop and the flow. Yeah, we we have talked about this. So, yeah, the tubes and cutbacks. Flow, flow is such a good word for mm. not turning. Well, there was a there was an interview um, this week uh, in one of the Portuguese uh, one of the Portuguese websites, and Tiago Pires, the Prince of Portugal, as Potts used to say, every fucking five seconds. Um, uh, shout out to Potts. Um, saw him on the gram on your Instagram. Yeah, realized Bob didn't realize Bob Dylan was such a Potts fan, but anyhow, Um, yeah, or Ginsburg as well. They love him. Sorry, it was Ginsburg. It was Ginsburg. Um, uh, yeah, Tiago Pires had an interview this week and basically said, All I do now is look for the barrel, (laughs) there's nothing else in surfing for me, it's just about the barrel. (laughs) Don't you, mate? Yeah. Well, sounds pretty good to me. So not not even cutbacks anymore. Mm, yeah. Barrels. No, you got to you got to have a got to have a cutback. Got to have yeah, a, little, yeah. a little cut. And maybe a little little yeah. swoop a little swoop off the top if you can. The odd little. Yeah. Have you been uh, Have you been digesting anything in the way of uh, surf and music and such? Um, I've been reading a book about um sort of. Surf and and finding enlightenment, which is Ooh. quite interesting, by this guy called um, someone Jamal Yogi's. Um, it's called "All Waves Are Water," Ooh. which uh, sounds sort of self-evident, but uh, it's it's a pretty cool book. Yeah, it's just about it's it's not as kind of hippie and airy fairy as it sounds it's quite a just a down-to-earth book about this guy kind of trying to get into meditation and stuff like that but while he's doing that he's he's breaking up with his girlfriend and dealing with that and traveling the world surfing he he spends a lot of time in um Puerto Escondido and uh it's just really cool yeah he, he seems like a pretty cool guy actually um so I'm enjoying that nice. um did you watch I watched a uh you know they have this well they seem to have a lot of it these days they basically have kind of unedited clips of surf sessions on uh, uh yeah on, on youtube um raw files or whatever they call it this one was that this one actually was a just a it was like an hour long section of that 
Dahui backdoor shootout. Oh, um, yeah, that's pretty crazy, hey? I think it was the, must have been the third day, and there was this, these Peru. There was a team from Peru, right? <laughs> Called that, whatever. Yeah. A, a, a barrel Peru, Peru tube dogs or some fucking shit like that. Um, and these four yeah. guys from Peru were just absolutely packing these horrendous fucking tubes. And they basically, for whatever it was, I think the the Dahui shootout being breaking all kind of uh, uh, new ground, they, they have, because they can have a 12-point scale and... Um, yeah, uh, so good. I think the heats go for 33 minutes, which sounds like a, a logistical nightmare. But um, uh, anyway, so the, there was 33 minutes of these Peruvian guys just literally, and it was pulsing, just wave after death-defying wave. And it's just like, whoa, mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. <laughs> Jeez. Um, almost had to rescue a couple of guys a couple, a couple of days ago, actually. they Oh. Well, they just paddled out, and I could tell that, it was a rippy kind of rip, uh, quite a quite a heavy rip bowl um, left, um, with a hell of a sweep kind of going out. Uh, and these guys kind of, yeah, you could tell they didn't really know what they were doing. And within about a minute of actually, they made it out because there was quite a it was quite long period. And of course, long period can lulls you into the false sense mm -hmm. of uh, you know, oh, there's, it's kind of small. And then of course, all these big sets came and they've been dragged right down the beach and. They managed to get in, and the guy kind of paddled up near me, and I said, "Mate, <laughs> you better, you better off going inside." You know, oh, shit. Yeah. Anyway, oh, thanks, uh, thankfully, didn't have to uh, do a uh, a leaky to, to a rescue. Did you yeah, about, did you hear about that? Yeah, yeah that's uh, that's heavy, really heavy. Did, oh, so was it? Um, was it sort of out there and on the? Um, yeah yeah if you, media uh, yeah in, it was in a, a couple of podcasts actually they they talked about it um on the grit oh so because okay because i actually it's the funniest thing i don't know there's a guy uh local guy uh, at my local or our local and uh his name's his nickname nickname's welshy uh for the obvious reason because he's from wales i think he was pretty good he might have been a pro back in the day i don't know anyway he's got one, these no <laughs> The strongest Welsh accent. It just hasn't lost it. Uh, if anything, it's probably got stronger. And I'm a bit half deaf, and his accent is just incomprehensible most of the time. And he mumbles. And I was out in the surf, and he started talking to me, and he's going, <laughs> I go, what? And he's going, look short, LSD, almost drowned, brother. And I finally pieced together what he was saying. Um, and he told me the story. It was like heavy. Um, so do you want to? Well, the story. Because I haven't is, read anything. The, the, the story basically is that um, Will Weber, um, another well-known shaper, um, was, saw some Val. Uh, I think it might have been a girl. But anyway, it was a Val who got into trouble out in the surf uh, at Angari. And he jumped into the water. I don't know. If, he didn't have a board. I think he jumped in, swam over and saved her. And brought her into yeah. the brought her into the rocks or whatever to the beach, and then for some reason decided yeah. that he he'd kind of go and show her how she should have come in. Um, yeah, and right. he got stuck in the same rip, and started really, um, you know, it sounded like he was in the, the struggling. The description is quite harrowing, actually. And um, and Luke Short had grabbed a board, I think, also to go and save this girl. So he had a board, but he didn't have a leggy. 
Um, and he saw that Will Weber was in trouble and, but he had to duck dive all these like six foot sets and stuff without a leggy. And it was all, kind uh-huh. of t- it was all touch and go. And eventually Luke got to him and kind of literally just grabbed onto him and somehow got him into the beach. And he was, it sounded like it. Yeah. It sounded like he was pretty fucking, uh, shaken up. He went to hospital yeah. and everything. The, uh, Will Weber oh, shit. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's heavy. Yeah. Cause I think if you've taken in a bit of water, um, even a little bit can, it can, bite you later on um yeah um, yeah so that's that's obviously why i went to hospital yeah we, we should never uh, that's heavy mm. yeah it's funny isn't it you kind of think you know oh, i've been surfing forever I, I can handle this but um it just goes to show you oh, just don't um, well especially yeah. with a bit, especially with a, a few uh a few miles uh under the a few miles on the clock um on the hood, yeah, yeah under the under yeah, the, exactly. Under the hood. <laughs> we got to be careful. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Um, which, which actually, it 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 made me uh, think that I'm going to order a um a, a few new leg ropes from uh, Need Essentials um because they make ah. they made a, make they make some fucking good leg ropes. So uh, yeah, yeah. Well All Wetsuit, the uh, Bodger um, boys, the Bodger boys got out one of those each for Chrissy. Yeah, um, they're, they're bloody good. So they're good, eh? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I actually got not, I wouldn't say I got into trouble, but yeah, last uh, we we're talking about the cyclone swell. I was out at um, a surf spot that has a lighthouse just near it, um, named after baby marsupial creatures. <laughs> oh, and um, which, yep, that's the one. Um, and yeah, the guys were saying, oh, that inside section, if you get stuck in there, um, it can, uh, it can really nail you. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, because the surf was pretty solid. And sure enough, I got a wave and just did that one extra turn. Ended up, it was only like a the, the inside section, maybe four foot, but just just pounding into the into the shore break kind of well, not shore break, but just that closeout section. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I had, a, I had about four on the head, just thinking, hmm, yeah, maybe I'm not as fit as I should be. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, it's it's humbling. Hashtag humbling. <laughs> um, but yeah. But I, I, I don't know about you. What, what The thing that's been floating my boat all through this last couple of weeks is uh, Perfect Designs. Oh, I mean, mate, how good is Perfect Designs? Far out. Um, yeah, just, shout out to Perfect Designs. Everyone, all of you listeners, get onto the uh, Instagram and uh, in- search, search out Perfect Designs. Um, I can't work out. Is it one guy? Is it two guys? Is it the same guy? I'm not oh, sure. No, they they the how how much cooler can you get? Like no, it's kind of it's it, taken cool the, to some, kind of some stratospheric level. It's uh it's really weird. Um, like kind of kind of some sort of I don't know uncool cool if you know what I mean. Like yeah, it's yeah. just daggy genius. Um. Yeah. And they're in a, they've got a band, the Bad the Pelicans. Boards, the boards are like crazy. There's um, and they they kind of seem to work as well. Those kind of, I don't know, I can't work out. Do they look like a, it's it's like a it's like a fucking ten foot coffin or something? Um, the coffin with the the chain chain ball and chain leg rope. I mean, and talk then there's about, the one with that the, thing's not snapping. With the uh, circular saw fin, that's pretty rad. The buzz saw fin, buzz saw yeah. Fin. Mm. Oh, so uh, good. And then all the, um, photos, all the photos are taken in some like crazy room. It's like it's like you're uh, it's like you're you know, you're um you're 
Italian nonna's um, yeah. uh, lounge yeah. room from like 1973 or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some mafioso kind of connection, maybe. I don't know. It's There's so much going on. That's enough. That's God. enough to float anyone's boat for sure. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, and I'm of floating. course, um, uh, of course, the uh, the prerequisite uh, floating of boats. Um, Mason Ho put out a video this week where he, you know, he surfs this right hand. It's like guillotines, but I guess a bit smaller, but literally on rocks. And you know, if it wasn't Mason Ho, <laughs> no one would be able to surf it. But his old man paddles out and um, proceeds. You know, how old is Michael Ho? 63, 64, something like that. Proceeds to get, he goes over the falls on a couple and then he gets absolutely drained right across the reef on this, you know, just fucking insane. And then he coming in, he gets all scratched up and uh, he's bleeding and whatever else. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's quite, quite funny. And of course, to, to the, uh, to the, uh, the usual kind of uh, Jimi Hendrix outtakes, Hendrix. outtakes nice. um, music. Yeah. So, I'll we'll have to check that one out. Check it out yeah. So good. I didn't want him to go that's out. The one you can't even see that's is the one that feels like. Trust me, I did not want him to come out today. <laughs> did you just show up, or? All right, well, we better get. Wow. Let's get, let's get to. Uh, let's get to get the, this the, bloody, uh, the meat. The meat and potatoes. Um, okay. Well, you you, you can just tell me what you, you came up with this concept. I, yeah, I, I love I, it. I, I, love I it. don't know why, but um, for some reason, I thought of the idea of. You know, we we're we're all about surf and music, so I thought, why don't we why don't we have a namesake series? So, um, find someone someone in surf and someone in music that has that shares the same name, and explore the uh, symbiosis, if there is any, or the um, yeah, explore the two um, the two artists, and um, mm -hmm. see what comes out of it, basically. Throw it, throw it in a, throw it in the pan and fry it up and see how it tastes. So I love it. I love that idea. Yeah. My original thing was, um, I can't work out. I think it was Tom Petty and Tom Curran, um, but I guess Tom yeah. Petty and Tom Curran slash uh, Carol. But I guess then you could do Tom Waits and Tom Carol and Tom Waits and. Oh. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably do Tom Carroll and Tom Petty and then Tom Waits and Tom Curran together, I think. <clears throat> um, Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I, I noticed someone in a, an American magazine or, or somewhere called Tom Curran TC. I, I don't think that's... Uh, no, TC. TC's uh, ours. TC's yeah. ours. Yeah. He's Kaza. Yeah. He's Kaza and Tom Carroll's TC. And, and I also thought of... Mark Richards and Marky e. Smith. 
Um, but what? I guess there's, I guess, there's, I guess there's lots of different marks that you could. Um, uh, yeah, but that's that's yeah. just a, just a quick aside. Um, there was a an interview with uh, Matt Warshaw um, recently, and one of the questions was, "Who's had the best ever?" Um, throw down the mic kind of I'm out in, in surfing history. And he said, without a shadow of a doubt, it's Mark Richards. Cause um, I didn't realize this, but Mark Richards won four world titles, right? Yeah. He, then he retired at whatever it was, 27 or 26 or whatever the age, some stupid age. Then he came kind of, and the following the year after he retired, he won, the Billabong Pro at Maxing Waimea Bay. Yeah, and then, and yeah. The following year, he won the Billabong Pro at Maxing Waimea Bay again. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I don't know what. Oh, uh, yeah. So, Marky Smith and Mark Richards. Any other Mark um, musical artists well, that we could add to the Marky Mark, obviously. Um, of course, of course. And the Funky Bunch. Um, uh, Mark, yeah. Well, there's got to be lots, but there's got um, to be lots. Um, but yeah, but neither, neither, neither none or any of them uh, am I going to talk about um, today. Um, I've decided to talk about, to really go back to the kind of the, uh, the beginning and talk about the Dukes. So um, ah. Duke Kanamoko and Duke Ellington. So that's who I'm going to be talking so about. So good. And awesome. what, about, what awesome. about you? Yeah, well, um, I've probably totally on a different sort of um, tangent, but uh, that's what we do. Um, I've got uh, I'm Alan. I'm all about the Alan. Living I mean, next, living next door to Alan. Exactly. It's a bit of a nerdy name. Um, so I like that. Um, not as much. So as, we got Alburn, Kenneth. <laughs> well, that would be good, actually. I mean, you got Ken uh, Kenny Bradshaw, obviously. Um, and Ken, hmm, so it's a musical <laughs> Ken. Oh, they must be. That'd be oh, Kenny G. Oh, my God. Oh, Kenny, Kenny, oh they, that would, that's actually, Ken Bradshaw can I just Kenny talk about Bradshaw. them instead? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, now I'm doing Alan. So I've got Alan Byrne, the, uh, the channel maestro uh, and uh alan ginsburg who uh, on the surface you, you wouldn't think he's uh, a music musician as such but he did record quite a few songs mm. um and so that's what i was going to talk about his, his sort of musical dabbling rather than his poetry yeah, and, well, and, um, and also i mean huge influence to a lot of uh, music as well right well yeah 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 exactly and um uh, I, well, it'd probably be a stretch to say he influenced surfing, but uh, probably influenced the uh, counterculture that would, um, pre- preceded surfing. So, hmm. yeah, I would imagine plenty. Um, of, I would, would imagine plenty of the boys down on down on the farm in uh, various parts of uh, northern New South Wales and uh, California and Maui and whatnot uh, hmm. definitely. Um, <sighs> Ate some tuning uh, in, ate some dropping out, and listened to howl on repeat. Mm, exactly. Um, yeah, can't imagine really him in a pair of boardies, but uh, <laughs> can definitely imagine uh, Jackie Kerouac um, styling a bit. But um, yeah, so there we go. All right. Um, so how do we want to? How are we going to start this off? 
Well, I, I reckon if we're going to go chronologically, I think I think you're going to have to hit. hit I think you're going to have to start this baby. All right. Yeah. So um, I I don't really know where to start, but um, uh, <laughs> if, well, just, just... I'll start with two quotes. So one quote is from Duke Ellington, and which I thought was pretty cool. And he said that if it sounds good, it's good. <clears throat> and because he had lots of detractors, you know, he um, kind of broke yeah. out. He broke away from uh, kind of uh well the the model that had been laid down i don't know why why is it that the kind of the song i guess it was the it was because of um uh, record record length but um you know the song was traditionally three minutes long or whatever you know a single or, or whatever right, right. it must have been because of um because of 45s but um you know he famously <clears throat> released a single that was on like four records um <laughs> which I think is pretty cool. Uh, it's pretty jazzy. Um, yeah. You know, how you would have to uh, line them up and, and play them. Uh, For record players, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe, uh, what's his name? Um, Richie Horton, Plastic Man. He could he DJs on three turntables, so he could he could pr- probably uh, does he? sort yeah. that out. Um, yeah, for sure. So I thought that that's a pretty pragmatic um, uh, way to think about music, that if it, if it sounds good, it is good. Um, and a, on a similar note, well, not similar-ish, I suppose, um, the Duke Kanemoko said that there are so many waves coming in all the time, you don't have to worry about anything. Take your time, wave come, let the other guys go, catch another wave. And that, I've always, I've, oh I remember gosh. reading that years ago, uh, maybe it was in Nat Young's surfing, whatever it was, history of surfing or surf bible or um nat young's the best book uh whatever it was called um and i've always thought yeah that's kind of right you know let's let's you know we (laughs) we froth out so hard about waves and of course you know we've talked about this before but maybe maybe the duke is uh is right and just saying just let the wave come to you and uh you know there's always gonna be another one so um that's quite zen mm, so you know i guess so trying to find some sort of link between the Dukes, uh, you know, having listened, having done a bit of research and not having listened to Duke Ellington in too much detail in the past. Um, uh, and of course, not knowing, I mean, Duke Kahanamoka, we know a lot about him, but it's not like there's that much kind of footage or anything else about him, but <laughs> is that yeah. evident, evident that both of them had enormous flow and style class panache um this kind of idea of sharing what they were all about sharing with the world you know um ellington uh famously collaborated with all sorts of people you know met presidents um did film scores did all sorts of stuff you know played at jazz clubs toured here there and everywhere and of course um the, the Duke, well, I mean, he was all about sharing surfing and, and swimming with the with the world, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, um I like that. I like mm. that. Um so I I'm not that familiar with Duke Ellington's kind of work. I kind of I've got a picture in my mind or you know, a sound. Well, of a that. classic a classic is song it, would is be it, that um 
don't mean a thing if you ain't got that swing. So Ellington says, if jazz means anything, it is freedom of expression. And um, I thought that that's also something that uh, the Duke definitely kind of uh, portrayed or uh, embodied everything was in his life was, you know, doing things. Apparently he, everyone, uh, when he was a, when he was younger, you know, surfing had been banned for hundreds of years or whatever because of the Calvinist missionaries. They didn't think it was appropriate for people mm. to be uh, frolicking in the waves. and um, having, having fun. Having fun. But then at the turn of the century, people started getting back into it. But they were all riding short-ish boards, like apparently six to seven-foot boards, obviously wooden boards. But then, yeah, right. but then the Duke made himself like a long board and went out, you know, a lot further out, obviously, because he could catch waves further out and kind of just started styling his way in, cruising in and doing headstands and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, right. And it, there was a quote, uh, I, this must have been from Encyclopedia of Surfing. It says, his real gift to surfing was the way he presented the sport as something that could be practiced with grace, humor, and generosity, which uh, you don't hear mm. too much in uh, surfing, <laughs> surfing these days. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and uh, um, well, I love the humor side, you know. Mm. Um, that, you know, that kind of comes all the way through to the, the drag co boys, you know, or from that in trace uh, the headstands and all that all the way through. Hey? Exactly, exactly right. But and but certainly, and, and certainly the, the kind of sharing uh, aspect of it as well, which um, I guess Ellington kind of embodies in some ways just because he, uh, he shared jazz with 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 the world right um and another thing that they both were kind of they remained faithful to the roots of what they did so uh ellington was always faithful to the roots of jazz and then the duke kind of bought surfing back from the the dead really i suppose and um shared it with the world yeah um after a century yeah it's pretty awesome subjugation yeah yeah well um, i think sorry. the vibe Sorry, I think the vibe I get, not being super familiar with the Duke and his life, uh, Duke Ellington, I mean, and to an extent the Duke, uh, the main vibe I get from both of them is kind of positivity. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Do you know what I mean? I guess in some ways it's a, it's a different time, right? But the, the, certainly the Duke Ellington songs are, um, you know, take the A train in a sentimental mood. Um, and then, he, you know, that obviously as he got older, there's kind of bluesy stuff, blues in orbit. Um, and he's even got a song called didgeridoo, um, which is, which is interesting. Awesome. Um, yeah, but, um, and then kind of more kind of, uh, there's a thing from, I mean, shit, you know, it's, they were around at the same time and it would be interesting to see if they actually, their paths did cross because. Um, there's a song called Double Check Stomp, and that's from 1930. So you know, this is we're talking double check. We're, <laughs> we're oh. talking early. We're talking early days here. So. Double check. 
two-stage bottom turn. <laughs> well, that's it. The double, the double, che- double check stomp. Um, well, the double check stomp is probably uh, one of those surfers who really kind of um, pump, pump up and down through the flat section. You know, with a wide stance. Oh God, double, no! Double check no. stomp. No, I don't think Duke, Duke Ellington would have done that at all. Uh, Hopefully not. <laughs> Um, so, but I, I guess they, um, you know, they also kind of reigned in inverted commas for both of them for over half a century. So, um, you know, and I guess you could argue that their influence, uh, continues to this day, both, both in music and, and in surfing. Um, mm. Uh, this is an interesting, there's a quote that said, Ellington showed how the American orchestra could achieve a perfect balance of music that was both shaped by the composer while also, also birthed on the spot by the musicians, while also creating art that swung relentlessly, while also achieving the heights of emotional <laughs> engagement. Um, and I guess that oh. in that way, the Duke, Duke Hanamoka did exactly the same thing. You know, he was, he shaped surfing into kind of his own mold, right? Um, and showed um, how surfing was an emotional thing and how you know people could engage with it i mean people you know did you know this is a strange old fact did you know that um uh in 2011 freshwater surf life saving club um inaugurated duke's day to honor duke and the environment so you know wow that's in, that's in 2000 not know that 2011 so this guy's influences are still being felt, right? Mm. Um, That's great. Ellington defied categories and steadfastly refused to conform to any preconception of what he or his music should do. Um, And then I guess Duke was a a master at many waterborne disciplines. You know, I mean, he was a a eight time or six time Olympic medalist in swimming. Um, Yeah. Uh, he was a movie star. He, of course, was a surfer. He was like a, um, almost like a king of, of Hawaii. And there's this great quote um, that some woman, I think it was a woman, said that Juka Hanamoka was the most magnificent human male God ever put on the earth. Wow. <laughs> he, was a, he, was a, he was a bloody specimen, that's for sure. Um, mm. <clears throat> And the last wow. little, the last little parallel um, I thought was um, Duke Ellington kind of adapted and tailored his music, um, and he also, but he also pursued another objective, which was to lengthen jazz songs, bring new forms to the hitherto malnourished and largely ignored genre that was jazz music. Well, the, mm. what did, the Duke just lengthened his surfboards, mate. That's what he did, and uh, did exactly the same thing bought um you know the malnourished oh, mid, mid-length <laughs> yeah i think it went beyond mid, mid-length the malnourished masses wow. malnourished masses were suddenly given um had their app- appetites uh, satiated by uh longer boards so yeah so there you go that's great mm. i like that um just a quick question um i i, I should know this but it was the duke an actual duke like in in the Hawaiian sort of no, sort his, of um, royal his, lineage, or his father was a 
I might get this wrong. His father was a butler or worked with someone and the Duke of Edinburgh came to Hawaii and he worked for him. And so his father got the nickname Duke. And then Duke, ah. Duke Anamoka was the first of nine children. And so the, the he nickname was Duke yeah. kind of passed down to him. That why, that's why it was. Ah. Well, there you go. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Uh, and just, um, just, just the last thing. So collaborations. Um, Duke Ellington collaborated with Ella Fitzgerald, Count Basie, Louis Armstrong, and John Coltrane. Um, Duke Hanamoko, of course, was so influential. He, Tom Blake, the, the you know, person who first put a fin in a board, um, was he moved from the in from inland i think it was like ohio or something only because of the of duke of seeing the duke and uh wanting to emulate him um there was a duke kahanamoko surf team that apparently the duke had um you know i don't know if he picked them or but he certainly had something to do with it joey cabell paul strauch butch van artsdalen and fred hemmings were all members of that <laughs> Hanamuku surf team. So yeah. Wow. Mad, hey? That's crazy. That's great. And um oh, oh, and and they, both, they both lived to sorry, they both lived to so Duke Ellington passed away in 74 at the age of 75. And the Duke died at 77 in uh, 1968. So they kind wow. of lived their lives very, very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There you go. And, um, that's that's uh, Duke and Duke. Cool. And obviously the whole Isabel Latham story is quite well told in, in Australia. It's um it's pretty amazing when you think about it, isn't it? Like um the uh the first ever surfer in australia is as like that first surf was documented and there were people watching and uh well, there's just, that's, i've seen been, have you been into freshwater surf club i haven't no there's, there's some crazy photos in there um and uh, yeah and yeah, there's I mean, a statue that, up on the headland well yeah obviously that, that that too but um yeah the, the duke over overlooks the uh, overlooks the the rather average waves of um freshwater beach <laughs> Um, the, uh, yeah. the, the photos of, of when he was given the demonstration. Um, I always wonder why they fucking pick freshwater beach, but anyhow, um, uh, there's like people everywhere watching it. So it was, it, you know, it was a massive, it was a massive thing. Um, yeah. The crowd yeah. on the beach was local schoolgirl and avid swimmer, Isabel Leatham, whose father had helped craft Kahanamoku's board from a solid plank of local sugar pine. His sugar pine board still has pride of place in the Freshwater Lifesaving Club. Kahanamoku, kinanni mehavali, kikamehameha, 
kinanni kehulani, mappala oma huu ahikki vea vea hekennani lae. Kahana moku kinanni mehavali, kikka meha meha kinanni kehulani, mappala oma huu ahikki vea vea well, it's yeah, and it's interesting because I in in my kind of um, uh, dabblings with with Allens, um, I actually stumbled upon Al Al Hunt, who was you know a contest director and judge for, for a long time in Australia, um, but he has got I didn't realize this he's got uh, like one of the world's biggest surf magazine collections, um, and. And basically on his website, it's it's insane. It's called, um, look up Al Hunt and Surf Magazines. I'm sure you'll find it. And it's got the cover of all the surf magazines you can look at. And he's actually selling his collection um, of 20,000 surf mags. Yeah, I think he's selling it for about 120 grand or something, which actually, I don't know. It's a lot of money, but it sounds kind of cheap for uh, well, you'd something think that, like you'd that. You'd think that some kind of archive would be able to, stump up the cash well Matt, maddie warshaw might want to yeah i don't think he's um gonna, i think you'll need a few more subscribers for that but um yeah, yeah. i mean far but out. but anyway in it he said the first um known surf orientated publication was from australia and it was called the surf and it was produced on in 1917 bloody hell and um i can't remember what what date was duke did duke um it's first surf in Australia. 19... Hang on. Uh... It was before then, wasn't it? Uh, 1914. There you go. Mm. And apparently, yeah, there was uh, 20 issues of the surf um, up until 1918. So that's Bloody that's God. amazing. Um, it would have been great to have a look at those ones. Um, how many? Uh, there you go. I mean, they. Do you reckon they had how many hot tuna ads did they have in them? I was gonna say, or or mango. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mango ads. Oh, uh, no, that they'd already gone to Kmart by then. <laughs> you know, they they'd lost their their cool cachet they'd already. Really, they'd really lost their cachet. Nineteen seventy. Anyway, I loved I loved the Duke uh, the Duke uh, the Duke stories. Um, definitely gonna give myself a good listen to some Duke Ellington now. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I mean, the good thing is obviously. He's so ubiquitous that you can get, uh, it's very easy to get your hands on some, uh, you know, a bit of Duke action. So get out mm. there and do it. Listen. And now here's Duke Kahanamoku, the ex-beach boy, the guy who put Hawaii on the map, and who is now Hawaii's official ambassador at large. Hey, Duke. Yeah, Walter. You know, Chicken Fennel, how long those buggers been on the beach? Oh, for a long time, boy. Yeah, how long? About 50 years. Yeah, about that. About 50 years. Yeah. Too long, yeah? Yeah, how are you telling me? Too much Makuli, yeah? I think so. Well, throughout the years, you've met plenty of people in the islands. Oh, no, hello uh, to all these people all over the world. Yeah, lots of your old friends, huh? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, many nice memories, huh? Yeah, no. That's right. Okay, you guys, Matuni Braham and I, why don't you play some? In fact, why don't you Beach Boys do your club song? What's the name of it again? Hui Nalu. Okay, boys, let's have Splash the Gang sing Hui Nalu for Duke. That's the Beach Boys' alma mater from their College of Surfology. The song of the waves, that's right, the way the Beach Boys song. Okay. Where the wild ocean waves are flowing, our fellows are sure to 
in victory will unfold always on top Um, let's go for um, owls. Um, I, okay, yeah. you to owls? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so you're going to say something? No, no. Owl, no owl and... Not at all. No, I just thought of another owl, but um, maybe I'll save that for later on. Um, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, so basically, yeah, I, I don't know how I got into Alan. I think it was just a Alan is such a, as I said before, it's a bit of a nerdy name. It's a bit, not too many Alans out there um, in the surf or music world. So... Not um, as, not as nerdy out, as, yeah. as Timothy. Timothy? I don't think Timothy just sounds um, like such a, I don't know. Do you, sorry, you, you don't have any Timothy. I can't family, think of any. We got Tim, uh, Timmy Turner. Yeah, Timmy Turner and Timmy. Uh, Tiny, Tiny Tim. <laughs> Tiny Tim, yeah. What's his name from UMI, isn't he a Tim? Uh, Tim Rogers. There yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Any. Anyway, back to Al. Back to Al. Yeah. So Al Al. Sorry, I was gonna say Al Merrick. He's another Al. But um, Al Burn. Like just the. I don't know. When you say Al Burn, you just. Uh, for me, I just. I just see channels. Yeah. I visualize a white. Six, eight yeah, channel bottom. It's got to be like six gun. Six, six eight. Right. Yeah. Uh, with it, maybe a swallow tail, maybe little, a little swallow. Oh, glassed in fins. You've yep. got the hand with the eye, the, the burning eye, spear. Definitely the eye. Yeah. Uh, oh my god! It's just everything about it is just so cool and so precise and and jagged. Yeah. I don't know if you know what well, I mean. Those channels. Are, um, those channels are brutal. Yeah, yeah, and so yes, yeah, so just delving into our our. Um, it's really interesting, actually, because I actually found you should, you should check out this a YouTube um, video, and I think it's it's kind of taken from a, a movie that's got more than Al Burn in it. I think it's a New Zealand story because he's he was originally from New Zealand. Yep. It's called Last Paradise, and um, I think it kind of is also about um, AJ Hackett. You know, he was a kind of that adventure kind of. I did bungee jumping and stuff like that. Yep. I'm not sure what AJ stands for. I'm hoping it's Alan. Um, <laughs> uh, shout, but anyway. Shout out to my mate Enrique, who runs AJ Hackett in uh, Macau, of all places. So, um, what? Yeah. What Is there my, anything my... to jump off in Macau? Yeah, yeah. It's the biggest bungee jump in the world. Oh, shit. It's well, um, the, Macau, out, the Macau Tower. Uh, Enrique is the man in Macau Tower. So, uh, Wow. Yeah. A bit of Portuguese... Um... Yeah. action in Portu- the Portuguese in the... uh bungee jumping action in uh, uh in a very small island <laughs> in, um off the coast of China <laughs> so good um but anyway yeah so so this little it's about 40 minutes all about Al Burn and his early uh life in New Zealand and it's fascinating and and the 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 kind of idyllic life it seemed in in the 70s in New Zealand that, that they're surfing these beautiful little beach breaks when they're Sort of, I suppose this was sort of early or sort of late 60s where they're just starting to get into the shortboards and, and trying to get barreled and stuff like that. And that's where he started refining his some of his shapes when he started making boards. And 
And the interesting thing is what they got into um, toe scurfing because they had a lot of flat spells in New Zealand. Right. And that's when he kind of developed these. I, I posted a little clip of it. Um, these super thin uh, scurf boards with these crazy fins. And um, uh, he hadn't developed the channels yet, but just crazy aerodynamic kind of look to them. Um, check, check it out. It's crazy. All great creative processes are, are in giant flashes. That was the beginning of the scurfing. Gavin Clement had a jet boat at the time, which allowed us to go into shallower water. And we found that when we got some speed going, the boards wouldn't work because they've got so much friction. And we actually stood on the beach. We drew an outline of this tiny board around our feet. To this day, those parameters were set in concrete. When I would turn up in Hawaii, I remember Derek telling me, how come you can come here and paddle out on your first day and just take it off? And I'd say, because we have the secret training method, and that was scurfing. It was a need for us to do something while there was no surf. And so, Pretty much the forerunner to tow boards when you look at these things they're they're, they're tiny they're they're super high performance um so that was fascinating in itself sorry am i right in thinking that he was a pilot or something yeah well i'm not sure at which is sort of at which juncture he he did that but basically he um he got into the 70s and he kind of wasn't going well with shaping or, or something and he actually saw an Apollo moon landing. I'm not sure if it was the if the 70s. It wasn't the first um, landing, but he saw uh, the, the dudes on the moon. Thought, shit, I want to be an astronaut. So he actually, um, he, he went back to New Zealand. I think he was in Australia for a while, and then he joined the Air Force. Um, yep, yep. He was in the Air Force for a few years, and he was flying planes. And he, he left in in weird circumstances. I think he was he was hanging out with the kind of um, I think as an officer, you're not supposed to sort of, you know, fraternize fraternize with the the kind of common, I don't know, privates or I don't know, whatever. But he got, he pretty much, I think, had to leave. Um, you're, also not, you're also not supposed anyway, to. Anyway. You're also not supposed to turn air, airplane wings into surfboards, I believe. <laughs> That's right. They're kind of frowned upon yeah. that. Anyway, he, he, um, he left the Air Force, and but that was the inspiration for a lot of his... Um, his high performance sort of surfboards. He, um, but interestingly, like I found what he t spoke about with fins um, just as interesting as, as, his, as his work on channels. He says this, he said, I could make a living standing on the beach at Snapper Rocks with a piece of sandpaper and a sanding block and in 10 minutes change the total performance of a board where a surfer could not even recognise his own surfboard as it would surf so well. And he's talking about refining the fins. He said, you know, people would come in from his, uh, into his um, shaping bay and say, oh, the board's not um, going too good. And he said, um, I'd bring them back in and I would spend five minutes. I, I could take two millimetres off the back of the fin and redress it um, back in and it would change the board from a dog into the best board they ever had. That's how important fins are. 90% of boards on the planet are not performing up to their potential because they have shitty fins.
which is pretty scary because I, I, I've knocked a couple of millimeters off my fin just getting it out of the house, <laughs> yeah, I, bumping into shit. <laughs> yeah, and scraping on rocks. and uh, uh, Exactly. Maybe if you sand them the wrong way, you're kind of sanding yourself into the fucking Stone Age. Exactly. I'm, it's it's freaking me out a bit. How I, I'm hoping he's not 100% right there because right. <laughs> if two millimetres is going to make a difference, I'm in trouble. <laughs> um, but but it, this is a really interesting concept because he's talking about people who work in surfboard factories. You know, the, the young kids who start, they start sweeping the floor uh, of, the fa- of the shaping bay and then they do dings. But then the next thing they move up is is to um, the what they call dry cutting and wet rubbing, which is the... Yep the sanding so the finishing off and he says he says uh, the kids that uh, these young kids they're responsible for the finest tuning that will make the board go 50 percent better than it would normally go but it's one of those gray areas yeah they should yeah it says it's one of those gray areas that people don't realize and that's the really important part he said there's a quote from al merrick another al <laughs> maybe it's alfred anyway al merrick said um he says it's all in the 100 grit that's the coarseness of the sandpaper when you're finishing the board off. That's when you put your rail edge on and when you tweak your spine on the V or finish off the fins and control services. These are the things that are going to make or break a surfboard's performance. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I just love the precision that, that Alburn, I think, brought to surfing. And, and I think, yeah, it was, it was influenced by his, his stint in the Air Force, seeing this aerodynamic kind of forces at work in a high performance environment um because the, the cha- the pretty whole, cool the, the way that burning the alburn channels look i mean it's a, oh it's just yeah where how would you even think of that it's i mean i because well th- this cause is he didn't yeah invent, well, this is did he invent them because no. michael peterson yeah. had channels in his boards right yeah, well, see, this is where I did, you know, um, and you did a deep d- praise deep be to. I did a shallow dive. I did a little <laughs> little dive, dip my toe in. But I and and you've mentioned this guy before, Stu Nettle, mm-hmm. and um, I think he needs to be um, sort of brought to everyone's attention because he's uh, he's awesome. amazing. I think well, it, it's well net, right? He's in the league of, yes, well net. Um, I think he's in definitely in the league with uh, Matt Warshaw for for historical. Um, research and 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 writing just really interesting articles about so he he's lived somewhere he lives somewhere near you it's not it's somewhere oh, around. does he i think so yeah I right on, i think he's yeah, on okay. that on that stretch somewhere <laughs> okay well because interestingly um so so in this there's an article you look it up on swellnet the tricky history of the channel bottom um on surf on swellnet uh, it's really interesting so he just went through so a bit of a timeline of, of channels right he reckons the first sort of recorded and photographed sort of channel was greg knoll he had a wow. board with these uh he, he actually called it the slot bottom which is oh, a great cool. name for a, slots in the bottom of the board kind of most a lot of the stuff seen happen in australia there's a guy called mike davis from kiama of all places um um, he tried to develop a board to surf um, uh, the famous kind of big wave spot down there. Um, I won't name it. It's um, a yard <laughs> filled with um, skeletons. Um, yep. And then slowly from there, there was this uh, weird thing called a jet bottom, which um, was actually developed at Whale Beach, of all places. 
Then that went on to G this guy called Jim Pollard, who shaped boards for the Newcastle Cole Smith. And that I think that's when the, the seed was sown because um, Al Byrne was in Hawaii and he saw Cole Smith absolutely shredding yep. in, um, in Hawaii and these channel bottoms. And um, the rest is history. Whenever there's a change in board design, it's greeted by intense skepticism on the part of competing shapers until it's been tested in the most demanding waves in the world, Hawaii. On his first trip to Hawaii, Colin Smith brought four channel bottom boards, two changes of clothes, and heaps of self-confidence. The holding ability in the tube, because of the concaves, the way they're structured, so that when you've got a rail in the water, you seem to have maximum grip on the, on the actual wall of the wave. His first time at Pipeline, Colin realizes that he's got to take the biggest wave he can find and cut loose. a first-time visitor make much of an impression on the veterans of the North Shore, especially when he brings four untested radically new designs and then proceeds to destroy Sunset and win the pro trials. In his first contest appearance at Pipeline, he took seventh and achieved his goal to prove that he is, after 12 years of preparation, a world-class pro. So basically, Alburn picked up one of these and just looked at it. And so, so no, he didn't invent the channels, but I think he... He Took definitely to the new to the next level. Yeah, and beyond, and he just made those. He just, I think he just made them sexy, and then and and he, I think he 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 worked in places where I think channel bottoms work probably best in those long, stretched out points of uh, Queensland, and and you know that, those boards, the hot stuffs. I mean, he had rabbit riding. You know, Kong obviously is iconic. You know, and an burn. Um, Channel bottom. So oh, hot stuff was his. So good. Was hot stuff his label? Or no. His, so I think so. Eventually, so he went. He he joined hot stuff, and right. then um, but then uh, eventually moved to, to his own brand, um, burning spears. Yeah. Um, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, so yeah. yeah. We should uh, we should do another do an episode on the kind of rise and fall of um, record labels and surfboard brands. You know, like ah, yeah, hot stuff. And jet, oh, so good. Oh, yeah, but but interestingly, yeah. Um, just just not long ago, I think it was December. The um, Burley Heads had their uh, annual single fin comp, and um, as a classic, there's a picture of Joel uh, Joel Parco with this single fin uh, Alburn Channel Bottom. Um, not huge board, like looks like a six six foot or something. It looks tiny actually. Uh, which he he didn't win this year, but I think he won back in 2017 on the same board. Right. Apparently, I don't know if it was his first <laughs> ever board. Um All but right. it's close close to it. Yeah. So he's had this board forever. Um, and there's a beautiful picture of of uh Parco as a kid, his first ever surfboard for Christmas. It's one of those classic kind of Christmas mornings. His girl, his sister's got a new bike. And he's got a new hot stuff surfboard. He's standing oh, there right. like a little eight-year-old grommet with this huge smile on his face in his uh, his pajamas on the front lawn. It's uh, it's it's epic. While I'm there too, in in that YouTube video um, about the early life of Al Burn in New Zealand, there's this amazing music, and I discovered it as this kind of long-lost Kiwi band called Waves. 
um, and, that, and that was a bit of a long lost uh, album that that's finally been put on digital, which uh, they <laughs> they lost the tapes actually. Oh really? Um, so that yeah, ep- epic music actually, really really cool. One of the members of Waves went on to um, join Split Ends. So, ah, it's, well, um, yeah, yeah. Alan Burns not the one who died of a spider bite, is he? No, no, he died that in a motorcycle accident. That's right. On yeah. in, in Bali, yeah. right? Yeah, and it's it's like I know I my uh, Mrs. B always uh, rolls her eyes when I get on my safety my safety uh, <laughs> rants, but I. As as fun and as free and as awesome as riding a scooter around Bali is like, I just think you're on borrowed time. Yep. Like you are you are going to have a crash at yep. some stage, and the consequences of a crash on a motorbike compared to being in a car is you just can't compare. Like, um, and tragically well, that's happened now. Burn like, I, yeah, I, I don't know the exact circumstances, but he he did. Uh, come come off his bike and he did spend about a, a week in hospital and um yeah no look i'm sure there's there's good hospitals in bali but but look I don't, i'm not saying been, that he would have survived it anywhere else but uh, it's just so tragic yes yeah, so sad um and um he just seemed like such a lovely guy too that's what i didn't really mention um in this video again he just he just seemed to love the concept of of making boards for people and the type of people that just travel the world for the stoke of surfing. He wasn't into the real commercial side of things. He didn't want to be rich or famous. He just loved surfing and loved making boards. And um, The sole surfer is heading back to the shaping room, talking to the shaper, going to pick their board up from the factory. And the little guys that are doing their own screen printing in the shed out the back and selling it into a localised surf shop are selling their product. The number of people that came to us going, oh my God, look at this, you're actually a craftsman making a product with your hands and you care. I can make my surfboards and stay really close to those people who really do understand what surfing is. The true surfer, he doesn't care about whether you see him or whether it's a photo, they go alone or with their mates. They don't care whether Kelly Slater's riding the board that they've got. They don't care about any of that. They come and search out the board maker that makes their ride better. That's it. They wear a wetsuit that keeps them warm, regardless of brand. They're not protected by marketing. Yeah, so... Allen Ginsberg was Al the one. Ginsberg. Yeah, Dick Ginsberg. So... Yeah, yeah. So I know, I know we're a surf and music um, podcast. So, so the poetry po- side of things. Are, you know. Why not? Okay, okay. 
We could do Pachi. Al Ginsberg. Yeah, no, so so what I thought is he's he does have a musical side and, and there's a there's an amazing album of, of collected works of his with um called Holy Soul Jelly Roll. He actually collaborated with some pretty cool people. He, there's a great song I love of his called um, Capital Air, and it's actually with um, The Clash. Yeah, we have something uh, something never before seen and never likely to again either. May I welcome President, President Ginsburg. Come on, Ginsburg. I don't like the government where I live. I don't like dictatorship of the rich. I don't like bureaucrats telling me what to eat. I don't like police dogs sniffing around my feet. A classic um, sort of rant, anti sort of capitalist uh, rant. Um, the next song I really like is the classic named song called Vomit Express, uh, <laughs> which he did with uh, Bob Dylan. And he, yeah, he hung out with Bob Dylan quite a lot. Yep. Um, I think he, he went on that Rolling Thunder tour with Bob yep. Dylan. He, he performed on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, probably, obviously influenced Bob Dylan in it. A lot of ways, I'm sure. I'm going down to Puerto Rico. I'm going down on the midnight plane. I'm going down on the Vomit Express. I'm going down with my suitcase pain. You can take an ancient vacation. Fly over Florida's deep blue end Rise up out of this madhouse nation I'm going down with my oldest tender friend I'm going down the Puerto Rico I'm going down But Bob Dylan, he plays all the instruments on that song. And then this next song I really love, it's called Bird Brain. I put a little clip of it on the um, Alburn video I, I posted. Oh, yep, yep. And that was... a. That was a collaboration with a punk band called the Gluons. Bird Brain runs the world. Bird Brain is the ultimate product of capitalism. Bird Brain, chief bureaucrat of Russia, yawning. Yeah, so I just love how, how how Ginsburg he kind of traversed quite a few genres, and oh, yeah, and, I and I think realize, he did. I didn't realize he had such punk sensibilities. Well, yeah, I think the the punk and poetry at first you wouldn't think go hand in hand, but obviously there was you know Patti Smith doing her kind of punk poetry kind of thing too so yeah um anyway so that was good and one more song which i I, it's 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 hilarious and kind of 
informative as well. It's he, he did this song. He, he was reading all about the kind of dodgy CIA operations in the Southeast Asia in probably the Vietnam 60s War, and 70s, yeah. you know, sort of leading up to the yeah. Vietnam War. There's weird kind of drug trafficking going on, trying to destabilize governments, etc. And yeah. but he decided to sing a song all about that to a, a Calypso um, style song. So it's called CIA Dope Calypso. And uh, it's it's hilarious, but but quite, you know, I, for some reason, I always picture the film clip being sung by Muppets. Um, I don't know, just shaking maracas. In 1945, China was won by Mao Zedong. Chiang Kai-shek's army ran away and they're waiting there in Thailand today. Supported by the CIA, pushing junk down Thailand way. First they stole from the Mio tribes Up in the hills they started taking bribes Then they sent their soldiers up to Shan Collecting opium to sell to the man Pushing junk in Bangkok today Supported by the CIA Brought their jam on mule trains down to Chiang Rai That's a railroad town Sold it next to police chief brain He took it to town on the choo-choo train Trafficking dope to Bangkok um, all day I'd love to see that Anyway, that's my, that's my Ginsberg um, I, I love how he, yeah, did enter that world of music he, He's famously on, you know, the film clip for um, Subterranean Homesick, Homesick Blues, Blues. Yep. He's he's standing in the background, um, standing with some other dude just chatting, and um, and obviously another Al Robert Allen uh, Zimmerman, mm-hmm. the old uh, Dylan himself. So uh, you gotta love a bit of Al, and also I could I'd be criminal to forget weird Al Yankovic does <laughs> a version of Subterranean Home, Homesick right. Blues called um, Bob which is just full of um, palindromes. I'm an Amrigo, a German am I. Never out or even if I had a high five. Madam, I'm Adam, too hot to hoot. No lemons, no melon, too bad I hit a brute. Lisa Bonet ain't no basil. being made and very happily happily i must add made to lie on the floor um in english class and listen to ginsburg's howl <laughs> it was what uh, yeah was that mr lloyd it was mr lloyd and um oh. not only that i then got one of those really cheap ass uh, tapes from franklin's remember the ones that um uh, it's like the cheapest <laughs> tapes you could get they have like a, a silver metallic sticker on them um, oh yeah, I think yeah. I know. Yeah. And I gave the gave him a tape, a you know whatever a ninety minute tape, and he made a copy of Ginsberg's Howl for me. That's <laughs> epic. I think I've that's so I, good. I, may, it, I may still have it somewhere. Um, I've subsequently downloaded it, uh, a digital version, but um, I did listen to uh, Howl um, 
uh, fairly recently. Like, it's just incredible. I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, naked, dragging themselves through the Negro streets at dawn looking for an angry fix. Angel-headed hipsters burning for the ancient heavenly connection to the starry dynamo and the machinery of night, who poverty and tatters and hollow-eyed and high sat up smoking in the supernatural darkness of cold water flats, floating across the tops of cities contemplating jazz. Oh, yeah. Well, that was going to be my quiz. Um, okay. Um, can you... Uh, well, in the world of music and surfing, um, how many owls can you think of? If, if you can stretch it out a little bit, Al Chapman. <laughs> All right. So Al Green. Nice. He was first on my list, actually. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The, well, I said that before, the Alan Parsons project. Okay. We've got, um, well, this is a song. There's also a couple of songs. Call Me Owl. Of course. Paul Simon. Um, there's Al Merrick, Al Hunt, Peter Allen, oh. Lily Allen. Uh, Billy Joel did a song called Alan Town, Al Arnest Morissette, um, uh, Al Johnson, Al Jarreau, oh, and oh, my favorite, Al Jorgensen, uh, from Ministry. And I think that's about it. But there was a great in, in my search of <coughs> Alan in the world of music, I just stumbled upon a song by this Aussie kind of punk band called, and this is probably the best name for a band I've ever heard. Ute Root. <laughs> Ute Root do a song called Alan. They have an so album, you go. Uh, do they have an album called BNS Ball? <laughs> nothing nothing, yeah, like, what's nothing like waking up in the back of a Ute after a BNS Ball. With, with my, yeah well i'm gonna have to uh, i'm gonna have to sign off because i'm gonna fall asleep in a second so um okay <laughs> well can, well that can can i hit you before we go i know i know you you've fallen off the the um the perch here but uh you did mention maybe we talked about we will talk about predictions for 2022 mm. <clears throat> and um have you got have you got any um no ideas <laughs> because i didn't I didn't, didn't prepare. I had a kind of list, but okay. I forgot to forgot to uh, prepare for them. But maybe we can do. Right, it. Right. Why don't we? Um, why don't we do a little mini um, predictions for 2022 when you get back 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 home, back to the um, motherland? Okay. Well, it's cool. Yeah, because that's good. Because <laughs> I do have a a uh, a prediction, but we'll save that for later. It sounds like um, someone needs to um go to yeah, Billy Bites. I'm kind of fading big time. Sorry, just suddenly. That's no, okay. Yeah. No, it's um, 
<laughs> one day we'll record a, uh, a podcast in the same yeah. uh, hemisphere. And well, we are in the same hemisphere at the moment, but um, yeah. not the same side of the hemisphere. You're how many hours ahead? So, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to think about it. I think I'm going to go back to bed myself. Uh, well, that was epic, epic stand. I think we should keep the namesake series going yeah, from time sure. to time. I think, I think sure. um, I love that concept. Um, you know, as Shakespeare says, um, what's in a name? <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to edit in a better quote than that. <laughs> What did he say? A rose by any other rose by any other name would would smell as sweet. Who knows how these things happen? There are powers at work beyond our understanding. No, there aren't. What was it Shakespeare said? He said a lot of things, Jeremy. He basically said something about how there are more things there than there are actual things that you can see with your eyes. That's not the exact quote. Isn't it? Going to San Diego, salute your holy soul. Salute San Diego, shake your jelly roll. Republican convention, there be a great big fruit bowl. Going to San Diego, announce the end of the war. Going to San Diego, ain't going to murder no more. Till them politicians stop acting like a whore. Going to San Diego, raise a holy cry. Going to San Diego, sing like I could die. Oh Lord, let there be tears in every eye.